The first lesson is from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Hear the good news from Luke's Gospel. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and the family of David. He went to be registered with Mary to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver the child, and she gave birth to her, her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them at the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find the child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace on, among those whom he favors. When the angels had left and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in a manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. 
The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Indeed, friends, we made it. It is Christmas Eve. What a time. While this certainly is a time for all of us, we know how special Christmas Eve is, especially for children. So I thought I would start and share some emails to Santa from children. So John, age seven, emails to Santa and says, Santa, we don't have a chimney. So I left the cat door open, look out for the litter box. That's good awareness for Santa to know. Christian, age eight, says, Santa, mommy and daddy said I've, I've been bad the last couple of days. How bad can I be and still get presents? Hmm, a question all children are asking themselves maybe this night, or should. The next one, Brian, age seven, says, Santa, I'm so sorry about last year, about putting the X-lax in the milk. I wanted to make sure you were real. Daddy seemed upset. And finally, Roseanne, age 11, says, Santa, I just want to make sure that you know that we celebrate Christmas because it's when Jesus was born. I don't mean to be mean, but that's really what it's about. And it is. This is the reason for the season, as they say, and we are right in that zone. The Christ candle has been lit, and my goodness, what an advent it has been in the midst of a year that it has been. So I started thinking about how do we bring some of the trials and hardships of 2020 into our holiday season celebration? Well, it didn't work. I couldn't quite figure out how to put those two together, but I thought because we're friends and we can learn from one another, that I would share some of my failures with you about trying to merge some of 2020 into a holiday season. Ready? Ready? Here we go. I did this through song, as I often do. <clears throat> it's the most terrible year we've been through. See, nobody wants to hear that. That doesn't work. There's no celebration there. I kept, kept trying. I'll be home for Christmas Cause I have no choice Or how about this one? Didn't, didn't really work either. Rudolph the Red Stinger Murder Hornet Had a very shiny stinger No! Nobody wants that. You can't bring that in. That doesn't work. How about it's lovely weather for a stock market ride with you. You're up, you're up, you're up, you're down. You smiled and you frown. There's no way to know what happens next. Again, no. It's a failure. I know. It's okay. All right, ready? Everybody take a deep breath. <clears throat> Mail-in ballots, pa-rum-pum-pum-pum. 
I won't even say dominion. And finally, I want to wish you a masky Christmas. I want to wish you a masky Christmas. I want to wish you a masky Christmas from the bottom of my heart. Fauci Navidad. Fauci Navidad. See, none of that works. None of it. It is a hard year to put these two things together. We are in the midst of welcoming Christ into the world. We've been through some stuff this year, this year friends. We know it. How do we put the two together? Or rather, do we say this is the time where we recognize the light in the darkness? So let's take a look at our story, one that we've heard before. If you're one of our friends that joins us on rare occasions, it's the only story you hear, and there are more, but it's a great one to start with. This is Luke's account of Jesus being born. And we know Luke and Matthew are the two that give our birth narratives. Uh, Luke does shepherds and angels. Matthew does the star and the wise men. And we'll celebrate the wise men getting to Jesus on Epiphany in January. So now we're focusing on our shepherd friends and the angels and the birth. So you heard it from Connie, those familiar words. We know that Mary and Joseph in a precarious position. Last week, we talked about the Annunciation, the angel Gabriel coming and announcing to Mary, saying, guess what? You're going to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. You're going to have the Son of God who will lead people to salvation. And she says, how can this be? Angel said, nothing is impossible for God. And she says, oh, okay, here I am. I'll do as you wish, paraphrasing. And then, of course, she's got to go do the hard work, which again, we talked about last week. She's got to tell Joseph, to whom she is engaged, betrothed, which was just a hair shy of marriage. If Joseph were to die when they were engaged or betrothed, Mary would be considered a widow. That's how important engagement we've just seen as a part of the marriage already. And then she's got to tell her family, again, think about that in all your stations of life, how that conversation would go. You're what? By what? By who? God said what? Hard. And then ripples out into the community. She what? And so Mary goes into the hill country to talk with Elizabeth her kin, who is miraculously pregnant with John the Baptist and Jesus' cousins. Elizabeth's about six weeks ahead in her pregnancy. So Mary has someone to walk through at least a part of this with. So now it's the time, Caesar Augustus, Roman emperor, who thinks he's all that. Those first emperors were seen as being divine themselves. Even on the coin, it said, Divi Filius. Son of God. Hmm. God says, I'll show you some, God. And it ain't you. But the census comes and says, you've got to go back, Joseph, to your hometown, Bethlehem. Bethlehem meaning house of bread. 90-mile-ish journey, pregnant, 
No good mode of transportation in the day. A hard, hard trip. So they finally get there, and as we know, no room at the inn. Was Joseph too poor and he couldn't afford it? Well, probably because all the folks were there for the census, there was literally no room. But hey, there's a little place out back. The animals are there, but there's some hay. It's better than having no coverage at all. So they go, and while they're there, Mary has the baby, Jesus is born. And then we have the shepherds out in the fields doing their thing. Stinky shepherds with stinky sheep. Not seen as the upper crust or in any hierarchy at all. First one angel, then a heavenly host. And host is another word for army. This army of singing angels comes to these shepherds in the pitch black where they're trying to take care of their sheep. Frightening. So, of course, the angels say, don't be frightened. I bring you good tidings of great joy. Today is being born a savior. You will find him wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, to us, that's just what it is. They would have thought, pardon me? Lying in a what? This king of kings, this son of God is lying in a feeding trough, which is what a manger is? What? Well, okay. Well, the sky lit up with angels. It's hard to miss that or explain that away. So the shepherds, okay, we'll go. And just as the angels said, they found him there, And they were so excited, they went and they told others who were amazed by what they had seen. And Mary, who consented to this whole deal, pondered these things in her heart. My goodness, what would life bring? Everything would be different. And so it was. A great story, kind of that cool, wintry, outside in the dark. We worship at night. It's cool-ish for us in Columbus, Georgia. So what about it? What does it mean for us? Well, whatever you need it to mean. Open your heart to God tonight. Let God speak to you through this scripture, but I'll give you some thoughts. So the birth of Christ comes after we have walked through these preparatory weeks. We focused on these words of Advent, hope, peace, joy, love, all of those that help us prepare for the coming of the Christ child. The coming of the Christ child, again, it's second hat to us. It's what we know, it's familiar words, it is comfortable, but we lose the radical nature of what God did on that night. God became one of us in a teeny little baby, teeny little baby, helpless, 
completely dependent on others. God, who is almighty and powerful, became a baby, broke into the world in the form of one of us. And that long-term message always is Christ understands what it's like to be us because God was us. God isn't separated far away, but God came to be with us. God loved you and me and the world so much that the state of our own rebellion didn't sit well with God and God said, I won't let them do that to themselves. I will send Christ to them in the form of this child. And so when that child was born, everything changed. God became one of us. And that world, our world, changed from that day forward. What a gift of God that God gives us, which is why we celebrate Christmas. Anne Weems, who is an author, a Presbyterian poet, says, if Christmas is not now, if Christ is not born into our every present, every day, then what's all the noise about? Not a bad thought. We go through all this, we lead all the way up to it. We're here, we celebrate Christ being born. Well, so what? What does it mean for us? Are we just remembering a fun, amazing thing that happened thousands of years ago? Well, if we do, then we're missing it. Because God is active, Christ is active, and what started then continues in our lives every day. God was born into this world through Christ who came for all of us, not to condemn the world, but to save it. That's good news, especially in this time of bad news. Howard Thurman was an African-American preacher around 1950 in that time, wrote a book called Meditations of the Heart, and he writes about Christmas and says that the inescapable truth is that Christmas symbolizes hope. Even in the midst of hope being fantastic, in the way of it being strange and sometimes hard to find. He says an ongoing process of births, plural, is the perpetual answer of life to the fact of death. The ongoing process of births is the answer of life to the fact of death. Okay, bless you. So yes, that makes sense, right? People die and people are born. We have physical births that replenish humankind, keep us moving forward. Gilbert, y'all have the newest, I think, to celebrate. Congratulations. New babe, grandchild in the world. But I think it's talking about more than that. Reverend Thurman is also talking about multiple births. What, what does that mean? I think it means 
that we have the opportunity to claim new life on a regular basis. So in other words, Christ isn't the only one who was born into the world tonight or we will celebrate tomorrow. We have the opportunity to claim new life, in essence, to be born again in Christ and claim that new life. We don't need to keep fighting it. Why not embrace it and give it all that we have Because the more that we see and try and open our eyes to God present in our lives, the more that we will see how much we've been missing. We will see how much God is trying to communicate with us on a daily basis. And we write it off or we shut it down because we're afraid of what that might mean, that we then have to give up or now we have to follow Jesus. What does that mean in my life? I don't want to give up anything. Life's not bad. But we're missing the opportunity for this new life. So claim it tonight. Christ has been born into the world and you have been born anew if you allow yourself to welcome the Christ child in. No matter who we are, no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, no matter what we are thinking at this particular moment that is completely inappropriate for church, it is okay for our God who loves us, created us, and seeks to have an intimate relationship with us. So the first part about this uh, this story is about us as individuals. It's about where we are with God Will we allow ourselves to celebrate our new lives as we celebrate Christ coming again? Secondly, one of the perpetual images through the Bible is light in darkness. Which day of creation did God say, let there be light? Which one? You have one in... Sixth chance. One. Day one. Day one. Light was so important to separate the day and the night that God starts bringing light into the world. Day one of creation. God shows up to the people of Israel in a pillar of flame and light to show them the way as they are in the wilderness. Light continues to be a huge metaphor for God's presence and the presence of Christ. We'll read from John 1 in just a little bit, but the light came and the darkness did not overcome it. If you get nothing else from tonight, take that. The light came in the world and the darkness did not overcome it. Every week we light more candles. We start with just one, then two, more light and the darkness is receding. Three, more light, less darkness. Four, more light, less darkness than the Christ candle, the most light of all, as a symbol that, yes, darkness still is out there in the world, and we must interact with it. Sometimes it overcomes us, but we are children of light because that's who Christ is. There's a story 
from a man named Robert Fulgham. He was the one who wrote Everything You Need to Know About Life. You find out in kindergarten, that book. Wrote another one filled with short stories. That book was called It Was on Fire When I Lay Down on It. That's the name of the book with the short story. So one essay tells the story of a young Greek boy, Alexander Papaderos, who was on the island of Crete, that's near Greece, in World War II, and he remembers when the German paratroopers came in, wiped out parts of his city, killed many of his family and friends. Well, he survived that time. After the war, after he had returned to his home, he saw in an alleyway there was a motorcycle, German motorcycle, that had been destroyed with all this debris around it. One of the things he noticed was that the mirror, the side mirror, had cracked into a couple of pieces. He took the pieces of that mirror and tried to put it back together, couldn't do it, took the largest piece, found a stone and kind of ground it down into a circle so it was smooth and he could keep it. And he made it a game as a child to see where he could reflect light into dark places. Could he get it here and over there? Well, Papaderos grows up and becomes a PhD and a professor, starts an institute at the site of where those Germans landed and landed in World War II and slaughtered many of his, his people. He started an institute of peace and reconciliation. And as a part of what he did, they offered seminars, conferences, speakers, and things. And this is where Robert Fulgham comes. And he's at one of these seminars with Papaderos. So at the end of this seminar, the end of the day, they're wrapping up business. The last thing, as is often the case, Alexander Papaderos, now again, PhD professor, says, well, before we wrap things up today, does anybody have any questions? And Fulgham being a little bit of a smarty, but also a little bit serious, says, what's the meaning of life? Well, the kids, the others that are there kind of snicker and they're picking up their stuff, getting ready to go. And Papadero says, I will answer that question. And they all kind of sit down and wait. And out of his pocket, he pulls the mirror. And he said, when I was a child, I used this as a toy to see where I could shine light in dark places. As I became a professor, it became clear to me that this was no toy. This was a metaphor for how I seek to shine light into the darkness of people's thoughts, people's world, people's actions. And to shine light in dark places is how I see my life. And for me, that's the meaning of my life. And what a great image to think about on Christmas Eve. Christ came as the light, the light that will never be overcome no matter what darkness we continue to experience, I wish I could tell you, friends, on January 1st, all bad things would cease, but they won't. But neither will the light and love of Jesus Christ.
And since that light has been brought into the world, this part is not about you so much as it is your willingness and participation. That early births being welcoming new life, that's you. But this part is where you are to reflect the light and love of Christ to the world, especially in dark places. That light necessarily isn't about you. You are changed as that light comes through you, but you reflect that love of Christ. Where will you go? What dark places safely are you being called to go reflect the light of Christ? As we continue to face difficulty in our lives and in the world, this is our calling this Christmas Eve 2020. Allow Christ into your heart again. Allow yourself to claim new life as God gave Christ new life in the form of this baby. And like that mirror, reflect the light of Christ to dark places. That's our calling. That's why we're here. And that's why we celebrate a light that can never be overtaken by darkness. Hallelujah. Amen.